Welcome back to the lounge. It's getting closer to the NFL draft. It's still on our mind. And apparently, it's still in my dreams. Because last night, I had a dream that LaVisca Chenault first carry with the Cleveland Browns week one was a five-yard touchdown. That just tells me that I'm grinding too much NFL prospects. It's coming to an end, though. I had a great conversation last week with Kane Fassell. This week, I have another guest, actually a repeat guest into the lounge, and we're going to do a 2020 mock draft, a rookie fantasy mock draft in accordance with an NFL mock draft. My next podcast slash YouTube video is going to be a solo where I break down my top 10 running backs and wide receivers, give you some rankings to help prepare you for your rookie draft. So speaking of YouTube, find me on YouTube at Roto Lounge. Follow me on Twitter at Roto Lounge. Instagram is Roto underscore Lounge. Pictures of the podcast and whiskey and cocktails and you know all my other endeavors outside of the fantasy football. So last week at the end of the podcast, I played a side of Miles Davis this week. If you enjoyed that, this week I'm going to do Louis Armstrong LP on his platinum collection of his all-time classics. If you're interested in that, stick around. Again, fantasy content comes first, drinking and jazz music shortly thereafter. Please leave me a review on Apple. Subscribe, like, please show me your love. And without further ado, let's get on to the episode. All right, welcome back to the lounge. I got a returning guest to the lounge. Tonight, I'm meeting with someone that needs no introduction. If you're on Twitter, then you know the simple introduction is basically this. He is still the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. And that is Mr. Dynasty. FF underscore Kyle M. Welcome to the lounge. Thank you so much for having me on. You're, you're, you're humbling me. You're flattering me with that, with that intro. But yeah, man, it's great to be back talking some NFL draft, man. Thanks again for having me on. Well, first of all, congratulations. If, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, there was a bracket, a Twitter bracket. I think it was, you can probably give me some details. I ran across it a couple of times. I had to make sure I voted for some, some guys that have really developed good relationships with me, but I believe it was uh, a bracket of accounts that had less than 10,000 followers. Uh, and, it, and it came down to you and Polly Sleepers. And believe it or not, the two guys that came on my podcast when I first started before, you know, before I had two listeners, I only had one listener back then. Uh, you guys came on and talked football with me. And so I could not vote during the championship. <laughs> but you took down Polly Sleepers as the Twitter champ. I guess that's what they're calling it. Tell me tell me a little bit more. Did I miss anything? No, that's pretty much it. I um. I actually I was going up against Polly in the the semifinals round, and then on in the in the championship I, I went up against someone else. But it it at first when it, when the whole thing first started, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know that I was going to be included in it. I didn't know. I just kind of retweeted it whenever I saw that I was involved. I was like, oh, this is you know this is pretty cool. I'd retweet it and just check the next day for the results. And then as I got a little deeper into it, I kind of got more involved into it, and I kind of got invested. And I was like. So I got down towards the end. I was like, all right, I, I really kind of want to win this thing. And I kept going, going. And 
and and brought it home and it is awesome i mean to get like the the kind of support that i got all the comments saying you know voted for you kyle thanks for all this and thanks for all that it was really cool yeah you are you are legit following yeah you're right it was you against polly and that's the one i couldn't vote on and then you advance and you face i think nick from big dog's gotta eat yep um and, and then you overtook him so congratulations on that i mean there's there's not a more deserving account. You help anyone that asks for help. You're a great fantasy mind. I'm glad to have you back in the lounge. We're going to do a mock draft. But before we get into that, I know you're in college and we talked last time and, and you're a social drinker. You do the two for ones at the bar or the quarter beer nights. Has anything changed or is that kind of still what you're doing? No, nothing, nothing's really changed. It's, it's the same old, you know, go out, get a pitcher of beer. Me and my friends, as cheap as we can get it. Um, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm classing it up a little bit, which is, you know, classy for my standards, college standards. I'll go, you know, rum and coke, toss a little bit of a lime in it, kind of like the way that's gone down. But yeah, yep, nothing's really changed. Still, still balling on a budget. Well, in honor of you and the fact that I suggest anyone at home that does a mock draft, do not drink hard liquor, do not drink whiskey when you're drafting. And since we're drafting tonight, in honor of the college days, I'm going back to my roots. I have two listeners now, but once I do this, I'll probably drop back down to one. Tonight for you, Kyle, I'm going to Bud Light out of the can. Woohoo! Oh, boy. Getting wild. We're going to be chugging beers while we do some mock drafts tonight in the lounge. We're going to do... We found a mock draft online from the Sporting News just recently, and Kyle and myself are going to do a rookie mock draft based on these NFL landing spots. It's going to be a super flex format, right? PPR. And we're going to go in order. We're going to talk about who we want at what picks, what strategy we might use. We'll do 24. We'll do two rounds of 12 to help any listener out there maybe have an idea of what they want to do when the rookie draft comes up. We are going to believe these are the landing spots. We did not create these. Some of these might not make sense, but we're going to say this is how the draft unfolds. And then we're going to draft accordingly. Kyle, since you're the guest, we're going to be like the NFL virtual draft before the NFL. You're on the clock. Looking at the 101 in a super flex format, this one is pretty easy for me right now. I'm going with Joe Burrow, Bengals quarterback, 101 pick in the NFL draft, 101 pick in this rookie draft. He's my he's my quarterback one. We'll we'll talk a little later about you know where Jonathan Taylor landed, but he. I don't really see an instance where Taylor could overtake Burrow. It may be just a very, very few landing spots, but right here I got to go Joe Burrow 101. I think he's the best quarterback in this class, and you know he's he's a top guy I want in Superflex. The draft is where you can get your quarterbacks the cheapest. Explain that to the listeners. Yeah, for sure. I think once, like in the offseason, during startups and rookie drafts, that's the cheapest you're going to be able to get these quarterbacks and the reason it's the cheapest is once it gets in season and you know it hits week five six seven bye weeks are coming your star quarterbacks injured you're you're starting you know the third string quarterback on whatever team that that's when these quarterbacks really increase in value but in the off season when you don't have to field a starting lineup there are no bye weeks and no quarterback injuries that's usually the cheapest you're going to be able to get them. And, you know, in a super flex, it's hard to argue Joe Burrow going the 1-1. If this wasn't a super flex, do you have any questions about Joe Burrow as an NFL quarterback? Not really. I mean, I know people like to talk about the argument that, you know, system quarterback Joe Brady at LSU only really had one fantastic year. But I think to an extent, most every quarterback's a system quarterback. I think 
Joe Burrow and um, Zach Taylor would make a great duo in Cincinnati. I think Joe Burrow has plenty of weapons. I mean, Joe Mixon out of the backfield. You have A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, obviously, whoever they may draft. I'm I'm not worried about the coaching staff, the situation, obviously not the draft capital because he's going first overall in the NFL draft. So, no, he's, he's, he's pretty much my hands down 101 in Superflex right now. Yeah, and, you know, you can nitpick. I mean, there are certain red flags around Joe Burrow about, you know, <clears throat> being in college for four years, really breaking out under Joe Brady, a one-year Heisman winner. But then when you watch him on tape, he has so many good qualities as a quarterback. I think he's going to be successful. Let me, let me before we move to the, my pick, the one-two, give me a ceiling. What do you think we can expect from Joe Burrow as a career quarterback? Uh, I would say a lot of comps that I've seen and that I like, I've seen some that I don't really like, but one of my favorites I would say is Matt Ryan. I think that's a solid comp, and I think that would be a real solid range of outcomes. I mean, if you drafted Matt Ryan with the first overall pick in your Superflex rookie draft, you still have a low-end quarterback one on your roster 12 years later. So I think that's a not maybe not the highest possible range of outcomes, but I think that's a pretty realistic range of outcomes that I'm that I'm expecting here with Joe Burrow. All right, so in this mock draft, Joe Burrow went 101 to the Cincinnati Bengals, and he goes 101 to Kyle. Again, quarterbacks are valuable in Superflex, and it depends on how you feel about the other quarterbacks in this class. There's debate that Tua and Joe Burrow are battling out for first. You know, I'm no doctor, and we can talk about Tua later, but I'm not taking a chance on Tua, especially not this early, uh, whether it's Superflex or what. But with my pick, I'm going Jonathan Taylor, running back out of Wisconsin. In this mock draft, he was drafted at 49 by the Pittsburgh Steelers round two. The Steelers finished ranked 29th in the NFL last year in total rushing yards. And Mike Tomlin's first year in Pittsburgh saw the Steelers rush over 500 times in 2007. His teams have averaged over 400 carries a season every year except the past two, where they averaged only 370 carries per season and zero playoff bursts. Taylor rushed for 6,174 yards and 50 touchdowns in a three-year career at Wisconsin, putting him fourth all-time in college football history. James Conner, he's a good dude, but I'm not shocked that they went running back in the second round. And Taylor is the clear 101 in fantasy formats if he goes to the Steelers. I might even consider taking him over Joe Burrow in a super flex if he lands on the Steelers. What do you think about that landing spot? No, I like it. Uh, I had Jonathan Taylor as my 102 also. I think that this landing spot is is one of the best. I mean, landing in Pittsburgh with the draft capital you're looking for, I believe this is James Conner's last year under contract for Pittsburgh. So I would imagine he's either gone or will sign a relatively cheap deal to be a backup. But, you know, this, this is Jonathan Taylor's backfield now. And, you know, I, I love the pick. I think I love, I love the facts. You just, you kind of hit me with a second ago and I, I would have done the same thing at one Oh two. All right. Well, you're up one Oh three. All right. One Oh three. You were kind of talking earlier about you wouldn't draft this guy this early, but I'm going to bite. I'm going to take Tua. I'm going to take Tua Tungavailoa. I think I got that right. At 103, he landed in Miami in the first round. While Joe Burrow is my clear-cut quarterback one, I really don't think the gap is huge between he and Tua. I think the injury concerns are a bit overblown. I think from a from a talent perspective, he's right up there with Joe Burrow. And in a super flex league, I, I don't think there's any instance in which Tua should fall out of the top four unless he suffers a massive drop in the NFL draft going to Miami, which is, I think a better landing spot than most people think he's, he's pretty comfortably my, my one Oh three here. And in this mock draft, he was drafted number five overall to the dolphins. Now, like I mentioned, you know, I'm no doctor and, and these are just hypotheticals, but 
for me, the fact that, you know, Tua broke his hip in college and hip injuries and NFL careers, they don't really mesh. I mean, I can't remember very many football players that have broken their hip, especially quarterbacks, because every play, every practice, he's going to be putting weight on that hip. He's going to be getting hit. I just don't think that he's going to last at the NFL. If he came in the draft and he was perfectly healthy, I'd be all on board because there's no doubt about his talent. But if I was picking number two and I didn't, I wasn't in love with Jonathan Taylor, I would try to trade out for someone that wanted Tua because there are plenty of fantasy players that want Tua, especially in Superflex. But I wanted Jonathan Taylor, so I didn't trade back. If I was at number three, like in your case, and you didn't want Tua, if I was in a fantasy draft, I would try to trade out and have someone move up and maybe stock some picks. So good pick. A lot of people think Tua is going to be it. Again, like you said, unless he has a mon- monumental fall, he's probably going to go high in Superflex drafts. Uh, but for me, I'm going to pass on him. So good pick for you. So I'm up, and I'm going to go with Cam Akers. And Cam Akers in this draft, he was the third back off the board. He was drafted in the third round, actually, number 71 to the Chargers. Now, I'm a big fan of Austin Eckler and his abilities, but Cam would come in slightly taller, about 13 pounds heavier. He was a three-year starter at FSU. He showed signs of star potential as a freshman, rushing for over 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. But with the coaching changes, the lack of talent, the Seminoles pretty much became a wasteland. You know, Akers coming out of high school, he was a third-ranked player in his class, the second running back behind Najee Harris. He was a dual-threat quarterback as a senior coming out. He accounted for 2,100 yards and 34 touchdowns on the ground, as well as 3,100 yards and 31 touchdowns through the air. You know, he performed pretty well at the combine. He ran a 4.4740. He had a 35.5 vert. You know, my data model projects him to have a Zeke Elliott-type ceiling. And this would be an interesting pairing between him and Eckler. Again, ideally, I'd move out of this spot if, if another owner wanted Tua or if an owner wants Swift. I'd be looking to trade down using draft strategy to maybe add more picks for 2021, maybe get some throw-in players. But I'm taking the best player available. And right now, I have Cam Makers over DeAndre Swift, even though he was the first back off the board in this NFL draft. What do you think about Cam Akers landing in, in L.A.? See, I love Akers. Right now, just, you know, based, based purely off talent, he's my RB3 behind Taylor and Swift. But I I don't love the landing spot on the Chargers just because I'm such a big Austin Eckler fan. I And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I, I don't think Akers will be the RB1 in that offense. I'm, I'm not saying he will. I honestly just don't know how they, they divvy up the targets there, divvy up the carries. So... It's while I while I love Acres and you know right now he's he's a top three guy for me. That's a little earlier than I would have taken him, taken him just because I don't know what kind of share Austin Eckler is going to have and how he and Acres are going to be able to manage the load. But I you know I, I love the player so I can't complain one bit. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I mean it's not an ideal landing spot. And again, I had to go by this draft. I think Acres is has the potential to be a star in the NFL. It, it's kind of interesting because. The Chargers just gave Eckler an extension, um, so this would be very, you know, interesting if they added another running back in the third round, especially Cam Akers' talent level. But that's who I'm going here, and so far this draft is going just according to plan. <laughs> You're up with 1-4. All right, here at 104, I'm going back-to-back Dolphins players. I'm going to snag DeAndre Swift here, the aforementioned player. He's currently my, my RB2 behind Jonathan Taylor, and I— I don't hate the spot. I don't I don't hate landing in Miami. He goes 26 overall in the first round to the Dolphins in this mock. And he's 
basically just sharing that backfield with Jordan Howard. I mean, he now has, if we're basing fully off this mock, he now has a quarterback that, you know, tends to dump it off to the running backs pretty often. We all know that Tua loves, you know, those low A dot throws in the slot. So we could, you know, I could see situations where DeAndre Swift lines up out wide, lines up in the slot, and it's just a target machine with Tua at quarterback. And, you know, all those things combined with the first round draft capital, he's my, he's my, uh, my pick right here. And, and you're definitely building a team based on the Dolphins being successful in a few years. Now you got a franchise quarterback and a franchise running back. Uh, so you're building around that team. All right. So here we are at 1-5, and the draft is still falling the way I want. Now, you know, I'm going to pretty much shock the world. I probably have already been shocking the world. and I think it's just going to look like I'm just having all kinds of hot takes. But these are the players that I like. Evaluating data, everything tells me these players. And if I'm sitting here at 5, the two quarterbacks are gone. The three top running backs are gone, right? Now we're going to get into the wide receivers. Obviously, people love Jerry Judy. People love CeeDee Lamb, but I have a receiver that's ranked higher than those guys. So right now, I'm trying to shop this pick. So if you're my opponent, and if I said, do you, well, first, before we get that, do you love one of the other CeeDee or Jerry Judy? Uh, I'm I, I'm a big CeeDee fan, and I, I like Jerry Judy too, but the guy that I have a very strong feeling, or I'm basically 100% sure who you're going to take right here, I'm very high on him also. So I, I, I wouldn't... I, I don't hate this pick that you're about to make. All right. So would you – so my question, would you try to jump into this spot? If you knew all the receivers were on the board, would you try to trade up to this pick? Because if you think that your opponent in one of your leagues wants Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, because I don't want either of them, I'm trying to trade out of this pick and maybe add something. But since I have this pick and we're not doing any trades, unless you want to offer me a trade, would you would you potentially offer a trade to move up to get the best receiver on, on the board? See, I – if I'm if I'm a contending team, I would make a move to jump up to this pick, but it would not be for a receiver. It would actually be for a running back who I will be taking with my next pick. So it, yeah, I like the move, but not for a receiver. All right, sounds good. All right, so with my pick, I'm going Justin Jefferson. He was drafted first round, 21st by the Philadelphia Eagles. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I'm a stand for Justin Jefferson. He's my top wide receiver in this class. Now, as a sophomore at LSU, where he played a lot on the outside, he led the Tigers in receiving and touchdowns, surpassing his closest teammate by 500 yards and four touchdowns. And that included true freshman Jamar Chase. In 2019, we saw the Tigers reveal Jefferson's versatility by moving him inside to the slot. And all he did was lead the entire nation in receptions with 111. He finished that year with 1,540 yards and 18 touchdowns. He also ran at the combine because he wanted to prove any doubters that he was fast. He ran a 4-4-3. He's a smooth route runner. He's got an exceptional awareness. I think he can play both inside or outside at the next level. LSU also has a great track record of wide receivers transitioning to the NFL. Some of the more recent ones, DJ Chark, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. If I walk away with only one player from rookie drafts, I want it to be Justin Jefferson. So if I can, I'm going to trade back with anyone who wants to move up for CD, who wants to move up for Judy, and I'm trying to stockpile 2021 picks and go ahead and get ready for next season. What do you think about Justin Jefferson going to the Eagles? I like it. I mean, I think this is the ideal landing spot. He lands in Philadelphia with day one draft capital. That's it's pretty much the best case scenario we're looking at. I, I mean, I don't hate it at all. Like, I, I feel like you're going to get a lot of people coming in saying, you know, how could you pass on Judy? How could you pass on CD? 
Jefferson's my wide receiver three, and right now the wide receiver four isn't necessarily that close based on this based on these landing spots. So I, you know, I I don't hate it. I really don't. All right. Well, so you're up now at the one seven. All right. Pick seven. We were just talking about if I would if I would trade up, would I take a receiver? Would I take a running back? I'm going to take J.K. Dobbins here, who landed in Tampa Bay in the second round, and that is one of the best possible scenarios that I can think about, especially when you have a guy like Dobbins who is an impressive, you know, he's an impressive pass catcher, and we know how much Brady likes dumping it off to the running backs. I'm not super threatened at all by Ronald Jones, especially in the passing game. I think J.K. Dobbins is light years better than Ronald Jones as a pass catcher. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not really going to overthink this one. I think it's a great landing spot, going to be a really solid offense. Hopefully they address offensive line in the first round to where, you know, Dobbins has a little more protection to run behind. 107, I'm going J.K. Dobbins pretty confidently here. All I can say is that I hope that the Bucks don't make another blunder. They took Ronald Jones in the second round. That didn't pan out. Uh, so another one, J.K. in the second round. Hopefully that works out. I can't knock the pick. I'm not a big fan. But again, I cannot knock anyone who likes J.K. Dobbins. All right, so I'm up with the 1-8. And on my board, I'm going with wide receiver drafted 13th overall to San Francisco 49ers. And that is Mr. Jerry Judy. He's an exceptional route runner and a separator with, with pretty good speed. He won the Fred Blitnikoff Award as a true sophomore, as the best wide receiver in the nation. Steve Sarkeesian then came in, became the OC, and we saw Judy competing for targets with a load of talented players, including a first-round fellow teammate drafted in this first round of this mock, and that's Henry Ruggs, as well as former teammates Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. He's a quarterback's best friend. He was ranked the third best wide receiver in the country coming out of my former backyard, Deerfield Beach, Florida. Now, I'm worried a little bit about his physicality at the next level. Uh, and his frame, you know, at, at 6'1", 193. But he's my number two wide receiver in his class behind Justin Jefferson. I've been hyping Jimmy G since middle of last season as a sleeper. I have a feeling that the 49ers are going to take a wide receiver, give him a number one guy. Debo's good. I don't know if Debo is an alpha. I think if Jimmy G gets a number one wide receiver here, it's Jerry Judy. But if it's Henry Ruggs, if it's CeeDee Lamb, I'm still trying to buy Jimmy G. So if you're listening to this podcast before the draft, go out, try to get Jimmy G. Most likely he's going to get a receiver. Hopefully it's one of these top three alpha receivers and get him for cheap right now because once they draft a receiver in the first round, if they do, his stock's going to skyrocket. What do you think about Jerry Judy to the 49ers? I like it. Uh, I mean, coming in, coming into the draft, Jerry Judy's my wide receiver too. After this draft, he's still my wide receiver too. But I think it's a great fit there with Jimmy G. Kyle, we know, we all know Kyle Shanahan. Rumor is that he tried to trade for Odell Beckham before he was shipped off to Cleveland. So we know that. I mean, I think you see a lot of similarities between Judy and Odell. They can really operate on all three levels. They're smaller receivers, but incredible elite separators. So I like the pick. I like it. All right, looking here at 1.09, I'm gonna. I'm going to keep keep pounding these running backs because that usually tends to be my, my draft style. I'm going Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He went to Atlanta in the second round, and I know that they just signed Todd Gurley, but it's just a one-year contract. So, you know, maybe maybe his rookie season, Clyde operates more sort of as a pass catcher out of the backfield, sort of how we saw Austin Eckler operate earlier when 
you know, when Melvin Gordon was kind of getting the the bulk of the work on the ground and Austin Eckler was operating mostly through the air. I think that's sort of the split that we could see in 2020. And, you know, from, from 2021 on, I think this is going to be Clyde Edward, a layers backfield. This is still an explosive offense. Offensive line was, I believe Atlanta spent two first round picks on offensive line last year. Maybe they'll continue to address it this year. And this is, this is an offense that I want a part of. I want the RB1 in this offense. And while they, that may not be Clyde Edwards-Alaire in 2020, it will be in 2021, 2022, and so on. What do you think? I think that anyone listening to this is going to say that you whooped my ass in this draft. Clyde Edwards, J.K., Swift, two quarterbacks. <laughs> hmm. I need to rethink my strategy. But a lot of people like Clyde Edwards. I, I had trouble finding a comp for him, you know, because – I do. I watch a lot of film, but I also have a data model where you know I have a lot of metrics that I look at. And Clyde Edwards, he actually in my model he has a top 24 ceiling. It didn't like certain aspects of his game, but he is a he's a natural pass catcher. If you watch him on tape, the only thing that I have concerns about is his pass blocking. So it's hard for me to to think of a scenario where he's playing on third downs, but he's not blocking. I think that's going to turn him into one dimensional now. If the NFL loves him, and in this draft, he was drafted second round 47th by by Atlanta. So that's great draft capital. So if the NFL loves him, it's going to be hard for me not to to jump on board. I still like a few players before him. I don't think that I could pass on CeeDee Lamb this late in a draft for a player like Clyde Edwards. But you have a great strategy because after the draft's over with, the running backs accrue value the quickest. And you could easily move. I could easily see you draft Clyde Edwards at 1-9. And as soon as draft over, you flip him for a 20-21 first-round pick and additional because someone felt like they missed out. So drafting best players according to fantasy leagues is not a bad strategy. If we're looking at careers, from what I've seen, I think there's going to be players that have better careers. And I try to draft best player available according to NFL standards. But I have people in my leagues that draft based on fantasy value, and then they just flip those players. It's easier to flip those players after the draft rather than trying to make moves during the draft. So Atlanta's a really good uh, landing spot for him. I was hoping that uh, Cam Akers would, would land in, in Atlanta. I think that would be huge for him. But like you said, Todd Gurley's there for a year. If he passes the physical, they haven't even conducted that physical yet. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could see a lot of playing time early and often. I don't hate the pick at all, but according to you know some of the things that I look at, he doesn't have that high of a ceiling for me. So I would pass on him there. We're at 110, and CeeDee Lamb is still on the board. I don't know what his ADP is, but has he ever gone this late in a draft? I would imagine no. And it's got to be a, a combination of the fact that he's landed in some really amazing spots. And you know, I think, I think a lot might consider the Jefferson pick or even the Judy pick over Lamb as, you know, going against ADP. So I think at, at 110 right here is pretty much later than we're ever going to see him go, at least before the NFL draft. Yeah, and, I, and at this point in the draft, I have to take CeeDee Lamb. You know, he's got great cause production. The only thing, and some people may wonder why, why I don't, um, why I'm not high on him. In my data model, you know, I run all these metrics. It's you know, college receiving yards, receptions per game, how many games they've played, their age, their breakout age, market share. You add combine metrics in and it populates. I have a formula that just it brings in all the data and it, it shows all the top five receivers, any receiver that's hit a top five fantasy season. Uh, and the only player in this draft that's hit every single one of those metrics 
is Justin Jefferson. So then I do the same thing for top 12 players, who's ever had a top 12 season, who's ever had a top 24 season. And according to my model, CeeDee Lamb has a top 24 ceiling as well. Now, this could be due to the fact that his BMI is pretty low. Nobody that has hit a top five season uh, has a BMI, has ever, in the last 20 years, has ever had a BMI as low as CeeDee Lamb. I think he came in the combine under 200, around 190 or you know, a little over 190. Uh, so that's a red flag. Also, the competition he played at the Big 12. You know, we've seen players dominate uh, in the Big 12 and come to the NFL and just they just were not ready for the competition. CeeDee Lamb has great college production. He's a natural receiver. I mean, he looks great on film. He just he has great awareness. He just looks like a natural receiver. It's just easy for him. So if he falls to me at 110, I'm going to have to pull the trigger. At the end of the draft, if I don't like it, I'll try to move him, but I can't pass up the value at 110. So, all right, you're up, 111. All right. Um, first off, the Lamb pick, great pick. He's he's the route that I would have gone if you didn't take him. But here at 111, since C.D. Lamb is off the board, I'm going to go with a guy that I'm I'm not very high on. I think he is a super special player by any means. But if the Kansas City Chiefs spend a second-round pick on a running back, that running back should go in the first round of any and all rookie drafts. And that running back here is Zach Moss. And I, I don't think he's some exceptional talent by any means. He ran a 4.6540, and I know 40-yard dashes don't tell the whole story, but he's also just not a, not a real bursty guy, not a very explosive guy. He's more of a, a make-you-miss kind of guy, sort of like David Montgomery, but in my opinion, slightly less impressive as a prospect. But if, I mean, it, it, this literally comes down to the fact that Kansas City spent a second round pick on a running back. It could it could legitimately be any running back in this draft. It could be the reach of all reaches, but if the Chiefs spend that kind of draft capital on a running back, it's clear that this guy's going to be their RB1. He's going to catch passes from Patrick Mahomes. He's going to have Tyreek Hill stretch the field for him. And I'm I'm going Zach Moss here at 111. I just I can't pass him up or I just can't let him continue to fall to the second round. <laughs> and and according to this draft he was picked 63rd pick overall to the Kansas City Chiefs. If you remember last year, so for those that didn't know, Kyle joined me last year. We talked about buy lows, uh, sell highs. And at that time, the Darwin Thompson hype train was out of control. So Zach Moss, in my model, he compares to Spencer Ware, which Spencer Ware had a few good years under Andy Reid in Kansas City. So it's, it's not a bad pick at all in my mind. According to my mock draft, I would probably pick him in the second round. But again, he's going to be perfect trade bait because as soon as he gets some hype in the preseason, you're going to be able to flip him. Similar to how people were flipping Darwin Thompson for 2020 first round picks or second round picks. Do you remember the hype around Darwin Thompson this last year? Oh my god! I mean, it, it was unreal. We we talked about it on our like you mentioned, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was a fifth round pick, and it's just like the hit rate on fifth round picks, fifth round running backs. I guess I'll say, no matter what offense they're going to, it's ex, it's extremely low. It's just like it's not a winning bet to trade a first round rookie pick for a running back that went in the fifth round of the NFL draft before he even steps on the field. It's just it's just a losing battle. You're you're just sacrificing a whole bunch of value. But here with the draft capital that Moss is getting, I just I can't pass up. Yeah, it's, it's completely different and Moss put up tremendous stats uh, at the college level, but yeah, like you said, I think the Darwin Thompson hype was before they made the trade for LaShawn McCoy. 
People thought they had the next Kareem Hunt. But we're not going to make that mistake, and we're not going to let the listeners make that mistake. But like you said, with his production in college, under Andy Reid, he could be a successful player. So you can't knock knock that pick at all. But you're getting all the running backs. I don't think that, (laughs) you know what, I'm going to have to bump somebody up. Now, sometimes in drafts, you're going to have to make a quick decision, right? You're, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And oh, yeah, you've pretty much punched me in the face several times by taking <laughs> all the running backs. I can't allow you to take any more running backs before I take one. And this player I had probably the end of – maybe I would take him in round two. I, I think I have a lot of players that I think are better than him, but – we got to go by position scarcity, and, and we're running out of running back. So at the 112, the last pick in the first round, I'm going to go with Joshua Kelly, running back from UCLA. In this mock, he was drafted round four, pick 126 by the Los Angeles Rams. And I love Josh Kelly. You know, he put up more than 1,000 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns in both seasons at UCLA after transferring from the University of California, Davis. When he was there, he put up 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. He wasn't highly recruited out of high school, but he busted his ass to get where he is. He performed well at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. He showed off some acceleration, some good vision. He had several carries there while displaying patience. Just looked really good. He ran for over 100 yards. And the Rams are now without Todd Gurley. They spent draft capital last year on Darrell Henderson, who, I, by the way, I did not have ranked in my top five rookie running backs last season. Honestly, I want Kelly wherever he lands, but I think this is a great landing spot in Los Angeles. I think that he could split time with Henderson uh, and maybe eventually take over an every every down back roll because he can do it all. What do you think, one, about Josh Kelly? And then two, what do you think about Darrell Henderson? I like Kelly. I think I don't think I would have taken him quite this high just because I, I let myself get a little too draft capital nutty. And I... For me, that's rounds one, two, and three. But I really like the player in Josh Kelly. I really like the landing spot with the Rams. And it's, that's not a knock on Henderson, like you kind of mentioned. I just don't think that he's going to be the guy that carries the load. If if the Rams don't draft a running back at all, which is highly unlikely, I would think, but if they don't draft a running back at all, I think it's going to be you know the Daryl Henderson-Malcolm Brown show. I don't think he's going to get the opportunity to be the you know, 18 carry a game for catch a game guy. So, you know, I, I think he's probably a sell candidate right now in the off chance, you know, something like this happens and the Rams spend a day, day one, two, or early day three pick on a running back. All right. So I'm going to filter out. So in this mock draft, he's drafted round four. Uh, based on my model, these are the running backs that have finished either a top five or top 12 season drafted around four. You have, let's see, Darren Sproles, Devonta Freeman, Lamar Miller had a top 12 season. So those are the only, so it's slim pickings, right? That's, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a guarantee, but it's been done, right? Aaron Jones, he was drafted around five. There is that chance. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but I was desperate. You've punched me in the face a couple times. So maybe I reached on Josh Kelly, but. I do love him. I already have Jerry Judy and Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb, so I need to add another running back to go along with JT and Akers to feel comfortable leaving this draft. So that's the end of round one, and let's recap. First pick, Joe Burrow to the Bengals, Jonathan Taylor to the Steelers, Tua to the Dolphins, Akers to the Chargers, Swift to the Dolphins, Jefferson to the Eagles, 
Dobbins to the Bucks, Judy to the 49ers, Clyde Edwards-Alaire to the Falcons, CeeDee Lamb to the Raiders, Zach Moss to the Chiefs, and Joshua Kelly to the Rams. So here we are, round two, with the first pick. The undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. You're on the clock. <laughs> All right. Well, for this for this pick, this is a guy that I actually debated at the 111, and he crossed my mind at, at the 109. So here at the 201, I am running to the, the podium or the draft room, whatever you want to call it. I'm taking Justin Herbert here at the 201, I think. It's an absolute steal in a super flex draft. He went ninth overall to the Jaguars in this draft. And while it's not the ideal landing spot, he may actually have some camp competition with Gardner Minshew here. And, you know, the weapons aren't fantastic in Jacksonville. But if a quarterback is drafted in the first round of the NFL draft, I think he should be a first round pick in super flex rookie drafts. Now, Justin Herbert was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. So the fact that he fell out of the first round of this rookie draft is crazy, but it's not so crazy when you see all the amazing landing spots for running backs in this draft. So that's I think it's it's reasonable why he fell, but I'm this would be a trade up scenario. Like if I'm in a super flex rookie draft and I'm picking at 204 and Herbert falls to 201, I'm I'm giving up, you know, the 204 plus a 2021 20, second to get up and snag Herbert. That that's how excited I would be to snag him here. And while I don't necessarily even love the the player, I don't love Herbert as a prospect, this value is just too amazing to pass up on. Yeah, and and maybe I made a mistake. I um I actually had uh, Herbert above Josh Kelly, so I I jumped Herbert to take Josh Kelly. Superflex is the only reason I'd really take Herbert uh, the, like you said, the value is just too good. He had a 60% completion rate in college. His touchdown interception rate was good. He's got the ability to make plays with his legs. I don't quite think he has the arm to make the sideline throws consistently. Uh, I think he can pick some teams apart uh, in other areas of the field. I think it's going to take him some time to get accustomed to the speed of the NFL. So I won't hold my breath on you know him developing. Um, but like I said, and you said, it's a value pick in Superflex. Probably should have uh, rolled the dice and took him over Josh Kelly because instead of panicking when you were taking running back and running back and running back, I should have sit tight because Josh Kelly probably would have fallen to me in the second round. So great pick by you. I'm just continued to get pummeled in this fight. And that's why you are the heavyweight champion of the world. And- <laughs> You start round two with Justin Herbert. With those three quarterbacks, one of them's got to hit, right? One of them has to hit. You can move the other two in super flex. I mean, basically what you're doing is you are just accruing value. And as you can tell, I am not a super flex expert here because if I were, I would be hogging these quarterbacks just trying to flip them later after the draft. So kudos to you. You're doing a hell of a job. Uh, I'm on the clock. And I think I'm just taking the guys that I'm in love with. I'm finally going to take a Miami Dolphins, so you can't monopolize that team. In this draft, my boy LaVisca Chenault was drafted in the second round, 39 overall to the Miami Dolphins. And my model has two similar comps, and those are Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown. I'd rather refer him to Anquan Bolden. He is an athletic freak at 6'1", 227. Now, he ran a 4.58 at the combine, but he left due to aggravating that pubic bone injury that we talked about before. 
but I think he's easily a high 4-4 guy personally. He's a real threat in the field. GMs and coaches that fall in love with him are going to be looking for creative ways to get him the football. He's not a traditional wide receiver in that sense, but he's a guy that can roam 5 to 15 yards from the line of scrimmage. Once he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to become a playmaker. He can run sweeps. He can play the wildcat quarterback. He actually could probably take Fitzmagic's job once he gets there, and he's not even a quarterback. So I love Visca, and I hope I can get a few shares of him in rookie drafts. Uh, so I'm going to go with Visca there. You are on the clock. Round two, pick three. All right. Yeah, I, I really like the Chenault pick, I think, especially considering the fact that, that Tua's there and Tua loves those you know, low depth of target throws. I think I think that's a great pick. I went back and forth here a little bit, but I'm going to end up going with Jalen Rager. He went to the Packers, 30th overall in the first round. With you know, Rager currently sits at my wide receiver five pre-draft. That's where I that's where I rank him. And this is this is the draft capital we're looking for. This is the landing we're looking for. Wide receiver two and and still a, a re- relatively solid offense. He's a, an analytics freak. I mean, his analytic his analytical profile is. Off the charts, and when combining it with this draft capital and really solid landing spot, he's my he's my pick here. I'd feel I'd feel solid in a superflex league if I could get Rieger at if I could get him at two oh three. Yeah, I like Rieger too, and I would expect him normally to go into a fir- in a first round, but superflex he he could fall. And, and I, I I hate to keep sounding redundant about the model and the data model, but but it projects his ceiling to be a top twelve fantasy receiver. Um, but I'm a little hesitant when I do watch his tape. I know he had terrible quarterback play. And he dominated in a you know a piss poor conference. He isn't close to the wide receiver that we thought Josh Doxon was, I think. But we know how that story played out. They both played at TCU. Doxon was highly, highly touted coming out and just kind of bombed. Now now Rager's got the speed. He's got great field awareness and versatility. I could see him playing special teams for Green Bay. He was drafted in the first round, the last 30th pick of the first round by Green Bay. So I can see him playing special teams for them. Um, I do like him, uh, but I won't be upset that if I leave drafts and, and he's not on any of my teams. But it's a good pick in the second round, third pick. That's definitely a great pick. So I'm going to make up for some of my blunders, and I'm going to start stacking value that I can move. So I'm going to go ahead and take Jalen Hurts, who was drafted by the Raiders, third round, 80th pick. Now, you know, there's questions surrounding Jalen Hurts. And, and one of the things that I question is his accuracy. We know he's got the legs. Gruden loves scrambling quarterbacks. He brought in Mariota. You know, Hurts would go there. I don't know if Mariota and Carr are the best quarterbacks to really learn behind, but those legs are going to buy him some time. Gruden's going to find a way to use him. So I'm going to go ahead and bite the bullet here and just go ahead and reach on Jalen Hurts just to make sure that I can leave this draft with a quarterback. What do you think about that landing spot, and what do you think about that prospect? I like it. I mean, I... He was he was the guy I was kind of considering here too. I think if you're gonna snag a quarterback in the early mid second round, I think Hertz probably has higher upside than any of them just due to his rushing ability. He has day two draft capital. That's solid. I I like it. And I'm actually going to continue this small quarterback run by going back to back quarterbacks here. I'm taking Jordan Love, who went in the second round to the Chargers. And while he, I believe, had 17 interceptions this past season to only 20 touchdowns, which is relatively awful. I am basically just trusting the raw ability here. I'm trusting the Chargers offense. I'm trusting the fact that Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler will, and I guess in addition to Cam Akers, who I totally forgot about up until now, who is technically on the Chargers, will kind of help Jordan Love go from this 
turnover-prone passer to this guy that can kind of, I guess, follow. And I don't want to say this Patrick Mahomes mold because that's obviously unrealistic. But Mahomes came out of Texas Tech, and he was touted as a guy that took too many risks, just you know, kind of was a gunslinger, extremely athletic, and he's turned into this extremely, I mean, like the the best player in the NFL. I'm hoping something sort of similar would take place with Jordan Love. I'm hoping that an NFL front, an NFL coaching staff is able to take this gunslinger mentality, this this huge athletic quarterback with this with this cannon, and is able to kind of corral him in a little bit and tap into that upside. And that's sort of what I'm hoping here with with this pick. And, and that's a great pick. I mean, I do like Jordan Love. We got to remind the listeners that you know it's you and I going back and forth, but. All 12 of these picks, all 12 of these separate teams are going to have, you know, needs, right? If you don't need a quarterback, I think there's better talent right now than to take Jordan Love, right? I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, Henry Ruggs is still out there. T. Higgins is still out there. There's some players out there that I think is probably better than Love as far as NFL career. And if you're sitting there at 2-5 and you have three solid quarterbacks, you're probably not taking Love here, are you? Or, or would you? I mean, once earlier in the... Early in rookie drafts, I'm definitely more of a best player available kind of thing, and and more so as it gets later in the drafts. But superflex can be a little bit of a different animal, just because, you know, if you if I'm sitting with Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Sean Watson, like some some loaded quarterback room, and I'm pretty weak at wide receiver, then you know this is a situation where I'd take T Higgins over Jordan Love. But since I really, you know, since we don't have teams and we're just going not even best player available, but number one player available who has the greatest opportunity to see a massive increase in value during the first few weeks of the season. That's sort of what I'm basing this off of. And love is that high upside guy for me. But I I definitely debated some of the other guys that you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. So I can knock that pick. Now, this player has dropped way too far. And he was actually uh, the third receiver off the board. He was taken 15th overall by the Denver Broncos, and that's Henry Ruggs the third. Now, speed kills, right? And Ruggs, he has it 427 to be exact. And the debate rages on about Ruggs' college production and his real life impact versus his fantasy football impact, right? We've, we've talked about that endless. The bottom line is this very few NFL DBs will be able to hang with Henry Ruggs. And because of that, He's going to be in position to make plays. Hell, Miko Hardman played wide receiver for only two seasons in college. He ran a 4-3-3 at the Combine, and last year as a rookie, he finished with over 500 yards and six touchdowns. That's roughly 20 yards per reception. So anyone who thinks Ruggs can't or won't do as good as Miko Hardman or is not simply better is just basically lying to themselves. The only thing that's going to slow Ruggs down, and I say that literally, is an injury. We can't predict those. So if he goes to Denver, I think it's a great spot. Let me ask you, who on defense is going to cover Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and Henry Ruggs? There is going to be so much opportunity for him to have big plays and be a big part of that offense. I cannot let him slip past 2-6. Tell me what you think about that. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not too high on Ruggs. He's my wide receiver 8 as of right now and it that doesn't change a whole lot with this draft. I think he's actually He's actually my wide wide receiver seven based on this draft that took place. I don't hate the value though. I just think he's a guy that's going to be a a better NFL player than a fantasy player. But I mean, in the middle of the second round, the top fifteen pick at wide receiver, I I can't knock the pick at all. 
And similar to the way I continued a quarterback streak last time, I'm going to continue a wide receiver streak this time. And I'm going to go with T. Higgins, who went in the first round to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he, he knocks it out of the park from an analytical profile perspective. He obviously has the draft capital here. He has the college production we're looking for. This is basically just not a pick I'm going to overthink. He's my wide receiver four coming into the rookie draft, and he goes, I believe, wide receiver five here, and I'm more than happy with it. Yeah, Higgins, I was a fan of Higgins for a while. I started watching a little more of his tape last season, and he just, I mean, we talk about how good of a contested catcher he is, but when you watch it, all that means is he couldn't create separation. And then he he didn't run at the combine, so he ran his pro day, and he really underperformed uh, as an athlete. And then you go back to the tape and you say, well, I see exactly what he did at his combine. He's not that athletic. Now, he played for Clemson, he dominated, but... I can easily see him being poor man's Mike Williams. I mean, Mike Williams was hyped. He was drafted early in the first rounds. Uh, I think Mike Williams might be a better athlete and professional football player than T. Higgins. So I'm not as high on T. Higgins. I probably would have taken him here if there wasn't a few other receivers ahead of him. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to jump on another receiver here. And the reason I actually have him rated above Ruggs. But according to this draft, I didn't like his landing spot. And that's Brian Edwards, who in this draft, he was drafted round three, 92nd overall to the Baltimore Ravens. To me, Baltimore would actually be a poor landing spot. But if this happens, just go ahead and nail the lid on the Miles Boykin coffin. It's over with. I think Edwards and the Hollywood Brown pairing would be lethal on the outside. Lamar is such a good rusher that he doesn't really need to pass. So how many passes do we really expect Hollywood, Edwards, and Mark Andrews to really get? Uh, Lamar had 265 completions last year. That's about 17 per contest. He completed 66% of those passes. So we can't really expect a dramatic jump in completions, really. So I don't think it's a really good landing spot for Brian Edwards. I mean, he broke out in college at age 17, which for the data miners, that data metric right there is like... Uh, cake and ice cream so we love that and uh, so i can't pass on on edwards just because the potential that he could become a star there in baltimore so i'm going brian edwards at 2-8 i love it yeah that's 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 my guy that's my guy i love me some brian edwards and when he didn't run at the combine i was bummed out because i i thought he was going to impress but yep day two draft capital i can't complain i'm gonna keep it going with just with another wide receiver and I'm going with Michael Pittman here. He went to my New York Jets in the second round, so I may be a little a little biased here. But he he and he and Sam Darnold had a real solid connection at USC, which you know a, a lot of people don't think about that. This is I think this would be a really solid landing spot for Pittman because he'd immediately establish himself as not only the wide receiver one, but probably the top overall pass catching option in this offense. I mean, Le'Veon Bell wasn't used a ton in the passing game last year. Jameson Crowder doesn't, you know, profile as that wide receiver one. So I'm, I'm going with Michael Pittman here. I'm hoping that this connection from college can kind of blossom into something solid at the NFL level, solid profile. He broke out a little late, but I mean, he's got the draft capital. He's got the landing spot, which, you know, I can't ask for a whole lot more. And yeah, there's probably a little bit of bias in here, but he's my pick at 209. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a man crush on uh, Michael Pittman, and and I had a mock draft. I don't know if I mentioned this. I had a, we had a mock draft back in October. Uh, myself, Ray GQ, Dynasty Price, we did a mock draft similar to this before they knew you know who was coming out and what the draft order was going to be. 
you know, I think the first pick overall, Ray to, uh, Travis Etienne, who didn't even come out. And I talked about Pittman as, as my man crush back then. And I, and I still like him. The one thing that when I was watching the combine and I saw him, I was like, who's that? Who's that guy? He looked he looked much smaller than than what I thought he looked on field. And, and maybe, you know, watching him on field and then having that impression of his dad, you know, Michael Pittman with the, the huge biceps and, and just the monster. And then, you know, Michael Pittman's on the combine with no pads. And I'm like, that guy looks you know, kind of scrawny. It's a good pick going to the Jets. I mean, they have Brashad Perriman now, Jamison Crowder. And according to this draft, they did not go with a wide receiver early. So do you see any type of conflict with Brashad Perriman? No, I don't. I think that as it sits right now, I think Perriman is the the number three passing option in the Jets offense to be generous. Maybe number four, if Chris Herndon can, you know, sort of reestablish himself and if Pittman lands in New York, then I think Perriman will be number five. So that's that's not something I'm super worried about. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and pick here at 10, and I'm going to go uh, Cleveland Browns in round three, 74th pick overall. They took Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, who, you know, we've heard so much in the offseason about, you know, the NFL doesn't like him for some reason, it, it seems. I mean, he wasn't invited to the Senior Bowl. He dropped out of the Shrine Bowl. He dropped out of the combine. You know, he's just really soured, according to NFL evaluators. But one thing that you have to remember is, according to to what I document, the last 20 years, 86% of top five fantasy football wide receivers are drafted within rounds one through three. Okay, there's few exceptions, very few exceptions, like Tyreek Hill, Antonio Brown, Brandon Lloyd, Brandon Marshall. The majority, the overwhelming majority of wide receivers that hit a top five ceiling are drafted within rounds one through three. So in my rookie drafts, I'm looking at wide receivers drafted in the first three rounds. And if Tyler Johnson goes to Cleveland in round three, that is best case scenario, especially if the news that we heard about the Vikings and the Browns trying to work out a deal for Odell Beckham Jr. and you move him out of Cleveland uh, which would leave Jarvis Landry and Tyler Johnson in Cleveland. I would be all over this pick, and I'm sure he'd move up draft boards if Odell was gone and Cleveland takes him within the first three rounds. So I'm going Tyler Johnson. He had a great college career. Data-wise, he hits every single metric. Then you watch the tape. He's electric on tape. He's not the fastest receiver, but there's a lot of receivers that have had good NFL careers that don't necessarily have elite speed. As long as he's around the 4'6", and we won't know because he won't have a pro day or combine. So I'm just going to hope that, you know, he has that NFL speed. So I'm taking him here. Do you have any uh, thoughts on Tyler Johnson before we move on? Yeah, I love it. I mean, he he's the he's a guy that basically hits every single metric that you could possibly want, like you mentioned earlier. But he's fallen down a lot of rookie draft boards just because the rumor is that the NFL hates him. But, you know, based on the results of this draft, the NFL does not hate him at all. He's a day two pick. So, yeah, I think I think that's actually really solid value on uh, Tyler Johnson. I'm going to continue this intense wide receiver run and I'm going to go with Denzel Mims here at 211, I believe, which is what we're on. He went to the Rams in round two. And while I don't love the landing spot, I'm a fan. I would guess a little lower than most people have him, but he's my wide receiver seven, I believe, as like as of right now before the NFL draft. And I don't love the landing spot, but solid prospect. And it's the, it's the draft capital we're looking for. Second round draft capital. He's immediately going to slot in as the wide receiver three in this offense. I don't think there's 
a ton of room to move up. I don't really see him passing Copper Woods anytime soon, but we've seen that in the Sean McVay offense, he is able to distribute targets to, you know, basically meet the fantasy needs of three wide receivers minimum. Sometimes you even get Josh Reynolds or Todd Gurley as a pass catcher providing some value. But now that Gurley's gone, that should open up some uh, targets for Mims. And he's just a guy that I don't think should be slipping to the third round of rookie drafts as long as he gets that early or even mid-late day two draft capital. Yeah, I mean, there's some people that really love Denzel Mims and there's some people that, that aren't big fans. The one knock... I continue to look at that Big 12 and just I don't see any type of defense being played. You know, I'm worried about these electric stats and these players with offensive skill look look like athletes, terrific athletes, terrific players uh, due to the fact that they were playing in a weak conference. So I'm not high on Denzel Mims, but I can't blame you for taking him this late. It's probably a steal at the end of the second round. I'm going to go ahead and finish this up here. I'm going to go with the sauce. I talked to Kane last week about the sauce. A.J. Dillon, he, in this draft, goes round four, 121, to the Las Vegas Raiders. So, again, round four. I I took a round four back earlier in Josh Kelly. I'm going back to round four with A.J. Dillon. In our first mock draft, he was mocked to the Baltimore Ravens, which I thought was a really good landing spot. I think that's a better landing spot than in Las Vegas. Obviously, you have Josh Jacobs there. I wasn't a big fan of Josh Jacobs. He actually surprised me his rookie season, but I wasn't surprised with his injury. I don't know how durable he is. Uh, We'll we'll see uh, his second year if he is a durable back or not. But A.J. Dillon, and if you want to know how I feel about A.J. Dillon, all you have to do is listen to some previous podcasts, listen to or check my Twitter. When we had the previous mock draft, I talked about A.J. Dillon. I love his tape. I wanted to see how he performed at the Combine. I said if he performs as an elite athlete, I want him. If he performs like an underachiever, a plotter, I want nothing to do with him. So what did he do? He went to the combine. He had the highest vertical jump, blazing 40 for his size, uh, just a monster. Confirm what I see on tape. I will be taking him round 2, 12, all day long. Love A.J. Dillon. This is value to me. What do you think about A.J. Dillon? I like it. I mean, I I don't love the landing spot. since Obviously, they have Josh Jacobs there, and I don't love the draft capital because he's you know not a day one or day two guy, but... I mean, the upside's absolutely there. The athleticism is off the charts. At 212, this year, we're kind of in the range where you go players that you think carry the most upside, players that you personally like the most, and you think that, you know, are, are good values. You obviously think he's a good value here, so solid move. If you didn't take him here, he'd, he'd probably go relatively early in the third round. All right, well, that concludes our, our draft. Let me recap round two. Justin Herbert to the Chargers. Visca to the Dolphins, Rager to the Packers, Jalen Hurts to the Raiders, Jordan Love to the Chargers, Henry Ruggs to the Broncos, T. Higgins to the Vikings, Brian Edwards to the Ravens, Michael Pittman to the Vikings, Tyler Johnson to Cleveland, Denzel Mims to the Rams, and Raiders running back A.J. Dillon. I appreciate you coming on. That was a fun exercise. Real quick, before we move on, do you have any – so this is only two rounds. We would probably do four. Are there any late sleepers – Maybe that you won't see going rounds one, two, or three. So maybe under the radar names that that fantasy owners should should start looking at now in case they get some draft capital. Yeah, I mean, just looking at this draft right here, we have. I just wanted to mention some of the guys that I think you know, may, like were in the running for me to go off the board at this point late in the second, but didn't. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who went to the Colts in the second round, and Cole Komet, who also went to the Colts in the second round. I think that 
both of those guys are definitely guys to keep an eye on. Also, you have, you know, Alberto, Cowboys in the fourth round, KJ Hill, Bryson Hopkins, and Jake Fromm. All three of those guys went to the Patriots in the third round. And Hill's a guy that I'm keeping an eye on out of Ohio State. I don't see him actually going this high in the NFL draft. I see him falling a bit further just because he disappointed in the 40-yard dash. So we, we could see him fall as a result. And if he does, he's a guy that I'll be targeting in the later rounds. A guy that we also didn't draft that I think should be mentioned. KJ Hamler went to the Cowboys in the second round of this draft. If he's a guy that's falling to the third round in your Superflex rookie drafts, he's a guy I'm jumping all over. So, yeah, I mean, those, those are the guys that, that really stand out to me. If you see any of those guys, if they go remotely close to the third round, even rounds one through four, if they fall to the mid-third, even past the third, to the early fourth, like you mentioned, the, these are the guys that I'm really keeping my eye on as late-round options. Very nice. There's a few names that I want to throw out there. I mean, besides the guys that, that you mentioned, receiver Marquez Callaway out of Tennessee, electric playmaker, special teams, kick returner, punt returner, and wide receiver. Also, Omar Bayless. Uh, he's a, he's kind of a under-the-radar small school prospect. And then running back, I like Michael Warren out of Cincinnati. According to my model, he actually has a top 12 running back ceiling. Uh, we'll see if he gets drafted at all. Uh, and then Jason Huntley, I, I posted some on Twitter a few days ago about Jason Huntley. He had a pro day. He ran a 4.3740, and he had a broad jump of 131, which would exceed any running back at the combine. Just a, a, a very electric playmaker can catch the ball out of the field. Just looks like a weapon. Uh, he is small. He's 5'8". You know, Tyreek Hill came in the league, you know, 5'10". I know he ran like a 4.2440, uh, and Huntley was a 4.37, but. You know, he could be a weapon. We'll see if NFL teams are excited about his prospects. But if any of those four get drafted, I'm going to look into them, be excited about it. The listeners should, too. Those could be late round round four sleepers that no one knows about. So keep your eye on them. I appreciate you coming by. Last year, we did a buy low, sell high. I'm hoping I can get you again. I know you're you're a wanted man, you know, on Twitter and, and through podcasts. But hopefully we can do it again. So I'm not going to ask you for your bold take. I'm going to let you... Save that bold take for our next episode. Let's let's do it. I'm 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 looking I'm looking forward to the next one. I'm you know I'm more than happy to to hop back on here. Yeah, well, I mean for anyone that didn't know, Kyle came on last year. I was new to podcasting. I recorded the volume was messed up. I contacted Kyle. I was like, it was such a good podcast. Do you have time to do it again? He more than was willing to come back on. We recorded the podcast again. I mean, it's it's no question why you are the undefeated heavyweight champ. I'm glad you came by the lounge to do a mock draft with us. I know you got things to do. You're a busy man. I appreciate you coming by. Let the listeners know where they can find you and what to expect from you moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a writer, I guess you could say. I work over at Dynasty Nerds. Um, I can mostly, pretty much, if you're looking to reach out to me, reach out to me on Twitter, at me in a post, hit my DMs, I'll get back to you. I promise I'll get back to you. I'll do it as soon as I can. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DynastyFF underscore Kyle M. Um, I haven't been super active dropping a whole bunch of articles this offseason. That's something I usually save for post-NFL draft, so look for that to really heat up after the NFL draft over at Dynasty Nerds. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Thank you so much for having me on, man. It, you know, we had a blast running through this draft with you. It's a pleasure, man. If we have a 2020 season, I am going to be all up in your DMs trying to get a buy low, sell high episode before the season starts. 
Last year, your bold take was DJ Moore would be top 10. And according to rotolounge.com, my website, I have DJ Moore as Dynasty Wide Receiver 6. Thanks for sticking around. I hope you still got a drink. If not, go ahead and pour yourself another and listen to some good music. This is by Louis Armstrong, or Louis Armstrong, born in 1901, nicknamed Satchmo, amongst others. He was an American trumpeter, similar to what Miles Davis was. We talked about him last week. Satchmo was one of the most influential figures in jazz. His career spanned five decades, from 1920 to the 1960s and different eras in the history of jazz. In 2017, he was inducted into the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame. Armstrong was born and raised in New Orleans, coming to prominence in the 1920s. Armstrong was a foundational influence in jazz, shifting the focus of the music from collective improvisation to solo. With his instantly recognizable, rich, gravelly voice, Armstrong was also an influential singer. By the end of Armstrong's career in the 1960s, His influence had spread to popular music in general. Armstrong died in 1971. Tonight I'm listening to one of the vinyls from his platinum collection of his all-time classics. It's a three-vinyl set, and I'll be playing LP2 on side one tonight. It's about 25 minutes. It's between six tracks, and they're called Track 1 is Blueberry Hill. Track 2 is Dream a Little Dream of Me with Ella Fitzgerald. Track 3 is Body and Soul. Track four is Summertime, again with Ella Fitzgerald. Track five is Just One of Those Things. And track six is Georgia On My Mind. I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you next time in the lounge. I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. On Blueberry Hill When I found you The moon stood still On Blueberry Hill And lingered until My dreams came true Berries of blue. The moon stood still. 
Each afternoon we'll go Higher than the moon we'll go And linger until wedding in June we'll go Papa thought it was was better than the wind and the willow play Love sweet melody But all of those vows we made with were never to be
was just one of those things, just one of those craziest flings, one of those bells that now and then rings, just one of those things. It was just one of those nights, just one of those fabulous flights, a trip to the moon. Gossamer wings, just one of those things. If we thought a bit of the end of it, when we started painting the town, 
we'd have been aware that our love affair was too hot not to cool down so goodbye dear amen yes hoping we meet now and then it was great fun it was just one of those things
Keep Georgia on my mind. 